Hello and welcome to the next in my series of studies in John's Gospel. Some of you will know that I enjoy walking and that one of the things I do when I get a few days off is to try and walk around the coast of Britain. And I'm walking around in various parts, in Lancashire and in South Wales and in Essex. And one of the key things is the footpath. And uh, I'm going to illustrate this talk with some of the photos that I've taken of some of the different paths that I've been on. The path is really important. It gives a sense of security. It makes me feel that I'm in the right place. Now, you'd think that if you're walking around the coast, all you need to do is make sure the sea's on your left and nothing can go wrong. However, when you don't stick to the path, all kinds of things can happen. And uh, I've tried out most of them. I found myself suddenly confronted by a river and there's no bridge. And I've had to find my way all the way back and find a bridge. I've been confronted by a marshland that I can't get across. I've been confronted by the tide rushing in and cutting me off and me having to run at top speed through water to stop myself drowning. I've been confronted um, by Ministry of Defence, um, what's the word, land, where you, uh, you can't get out and you can't get in and there's barbed wire. All in all, I have learned, do not go off the path. The path is crucial. The path shows us the way. And there's something beautiful about paths. And so when Jesus says that he is the path, he is the way, that's a very powerful metaphor. And we're going to try and just unpack what that means in a moment. We're picking up from John chapter 13 and going into John 14. Jesus, uh, Peter has told Jesus that uh, he'll never uh, lay, lay down his life for him. And in fact, that's not what happens. And we looked at that uh, last week. And then last Sunday in our services, we looked at the beginning of John chapter 14, where Jesus uh, tells the disciples not to be troubled. And we uh, unpicked all of that. And so we pick it up in John 14 and verse 4. You know the way to the place where I am going. And Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered in a very, very famous verse, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now we know from the way he's been talking before and after that he's talking about the way to the home, the dwelling place of God. He said that there is plenty of room in his dwelling place. That was in the preceding verse. And that uh, he's, gone to, he's going to prepare to make room, to, to, to make the welcome for those who are coming. You'll see that in our sermon that went out last Sunday. But Thomas says, but how do we get there? And Jesus says he is the way. And there's three questions then that we want to ask. Firstly, he's the way to what? Secondly, how do we travel the way? How do we make sure that we are on the path of Jesus? And what about, thirdly, those who don't know Jesus? So let's look at the first question. Jesus says, I am the way, and he is the way to life. What do, we, what, is, what do we mean by life? Why is he the life and why is he the way to this life? Well, firstly, there is a sense of this being an eternal life. It is a life beyond death. As we've just said, it's the life where God dwells. It's in the dwelling place, the house, the home of God, where there is masses of room. So it's a life beyond death, but it's also a life now that moves through into and continues. 
And it's therefore real living. It's the life that God created us for. What he really wanted for humanity when he breathes life into us. And Jesus is the way to this life. So what does that mean? It means happiness without sorrow. Where there are no more tears, no more death, no more uh, pain, no more selfishness, no more sinfulness. The life that Jesus wants to lead us into and that he is the way and the path to is where there is happiness and no more sorrow, no more fear. There is only peace. There is no more aggression or intimidation, no more threat from any, any other human being, no more need to lock any door. And the, the life that God has breathed into us is intentional. So the way and so the life that he's leading us into has meaning. No more emptiness, no more pointlessness, no more boredom, no more what is this about, no more what shall I do with today. When we're in heaven, in God's presence, every day will be rich with fulfillment, rich with joy, rich with laughter, rich with creativity, rich with all the things that uh, make us in the image of God that God intended us to be rich with relationship. So our second question then is, well, how do we follow the path? When he says, I am the way, what does that mean? How do we follow Jesus? Well, I want to break it down for us. The first thing is that to follow the way of Jesus is to uh, want to follow his command to love. Again and again, John tells us that Jesus is commanding us to love. So the way of Jesus is to seek to obey the command to love, to love as he has loved us. And when we seek to obey the command to love other people, we very quickly have to confess and recognize our own failure to love. So the way of Jesus is both a recognition of what we want to do, an intention, but it's also an honesty and a confession of our failure to do it. Therefore, the way of Jesus is to accept our unworthiness of eternal life and therefore our need for a saviour. Our way of Jesus is to say, we know how you want us to live and we fall short of it. We miss it. We're not able to love. There is selfishness. There are reactions and responses of apathy or anger or or words that we use that that, that are are, are damaging to others or ourselves. So the way of Jesus is to say, I know how you want me to live and I don't do it. That's the first thing. And the second thing is to follow the way of Jesus, the path of Jesus, is to reject the other paths to heaven that are not true, but people follow. The other ways, that might be universalism, which is the belief that everyone will get to heaven. It doesn't matter how we live, we're all going to get there because God will forgive everyone. And to follow the path that Jesus brings is to say, there is a choice that needs to be made. I do need a saviour. It isn't inevitable that I get to heaven. And the second path to reject is the uh, belief that I can achieve goodness. And in some way, if I live a decent, moral, effective, kind life, I will get to heaven. So the way of Jesus acknowledges that none of us are good enough. None of us match loving as Jesus has loved us. None of us follow him perfectly. And we're never going to get it right. We're never going to achieve goodness. And the third way that we need to reject is the concept of religious observance. The Old Testament model and the the way that other religions, if we do certain religious practices, irrespective of our heart or behavior, we will be okay. And we need to reject that model. 
that path. And the fourth path to reject is the path of reincarnation. The idea that we'll just keep coming back until we get it right. And that it doesn't really matter because we'll have another chance. Now the path of Jesus is to reject these ways and rather to ask him to forgive our failures. And to acknowledge that on the cross he is enacting our forgiveness. And therefore we come to him confident of the cross. And because of the cross we believe in his love. And because of the cross we believe in his mercy. So the way of Jesus is to say, I'm not good enough, and I'll never be good enough, but I'm loved. And forgiveness is possible when I come to God in honesty, and I lay my sin, my failures, my uh, inadequacy, and I lay it before him and say, Lord, will you take it? Because I can't do anything else. No other saviour will work but Jesus. And the last part of the path, which is crucial, it's not just accepting our unworthiness. It's not just avoiding the other paths. It's not just asking Jesus to forgive our failure. The fourth and final part is to ask Jesus to live in us and to therefore help us to love as he intended us to do. It's to say, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Come and live in me. Will you make me, transform me into what you intended me to be? The path of Jesus is the path of forgiveness, transformation, and infilling. No one comes to the Father except through him. And that leads us to our third and final question. Well, what about those who don't know of Jesus, who've never heard of him, who've lived a whole life in a part of the world or a part of history where Jesus wasn't explained. Does that mean that nobody's in heaven from the Old Testament or from pre-Jesus times or from nations and countries where Jesus is not explained? Well, Christians will take different views on that. But my own view is based on the Old Testament characters who did not know Jesus, but we know are saved. They're not saved because of their own goodness. In fact, we know that they messed up. We know that Moses was a murderer. David, who's perhaps the biggest example, was an adulterer and a murderer. And yet we know that he is loved by God. Why? Well, we see it in Psalm 51. We see David's repentance. We see that Moses, David, Abraham were not saved by their religious obedience or by their goodness. They were saved by their humility, by their, by, by their recognition that they were unworthy and by their recognition that they needed God's mercy. And they didn't know whether he would be merciful, and they didn't know how he would be merciful, but they cried out for him. They did not trust in other ways. They didn't trust in their goodness, but they asked for God's mercy. So if the New Testament makes it clear that there were people who didn't know of Jesus pre-Jesus, who were saved not by their good works, not by their religious observance, not by reincarnation, but were saved because they asked for God's mercy, then I believe that it's possible that there are those who are not, who know they are not worthy of heaven. And they know there's a God, and they know that they don't live rightly, and they ask for his mercy. And because of that, they can be saved through Jesus, because there's no other way than through Jesus. They're not going to be saved through their religious observance. 
They're not going to find themselves good enough. And though that may not be taught by other religions, there'll be people who live in cultures of other religions and they think, I, 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 I can't believe that just by performing religious ritual I'll be saved. But if that's the case, when we discover and hear about the love of God displayed on Jesus, we will receive it. And there are stories of that happening around the world. And the good news is that when we hear about Jesus, we discover that what we'd hoped is a reality. And we find assurance that we cannot reject Jesus. We cannot reject who Jesus is. We might reject the church because of the a poor way in which Christians behave and God will deal justly with us if that's our situation but we can't reject Jesus and some will say well why do we need to tell people about Jesus and we need to tell people about Jesus because the, the, the sickness of humanity is that we're prone to pride and excuses we're prone to blame everybody else we're prone to think we're good enough and that's why we need to come back to the path of Jesus. The pathway that he has laid out, which sets, this is what you need to aim for. This is what you need to aspire to, love like me. And the path of Jesus, which reveals to us that we're not good enough. And we're not going to make it on our own. And that we need a saviour. And the path of Jesus that reveals the sacrifice of God on our behalf to show us that he is merciful. And the path of Jesus that rises from the dead and breathes his spirit into us that we might be equipped and transformed as a dry bones into living creatures. This is the way of Jesus. This is the path that he lays out for us. And so our questions for reflection. Firstly, are we striving to love like Jesus? Are we setting out on that path? Or are we living a self-centered life where what we want from life is to uh, gather as much as we can for ourselves and make ourselves as happy as possible? In which case, we're not on the path of Jesus and we're not on the way to the Father. We need to set out on that path that says, I want to live my life for the blessing and encouragement and strength of others. And therefore, are we on the path of admitting our unworthiness? that we fall short, that we need God, that we need forgiveness. The path of Jesus demands us to, to kneel before him and say, Lord, have mercy. And do we trust in him alone? Or are we trusting in our own goodness and in our own abilities or in our own religious observance? And when we trust in him, are we asking him to fill us with his spirit that we might become what he wants us to be, not in our own strength, but in the way of Jesus? Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that you are the path by which we follow. You have shown us the way and we walk in it. And this is the truth. And this is the life. We pray that you will help us to strive to love to admit our weakness, to cry out for mercy, to receive your love and to receive your spirit. Help us to follow your path, we pray. 
In Jesus' name, amen.